If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's deputy editor and podcast host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks, and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Neil Rankin to the podcast today. Neil is a chef, restaurateur, author and authority on meat, barbecue and fire-based cooking. He's opened several successful London restaurants, including Pit Q, Smokehouse, John Salt and most recently three Tampa restaurants. His latest venture is Simplicity Foods, a company that creates healthy plant-based alternative proteins using natural ingredients with a real focus on low waste and sustainability. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So today we're going to talk all about 10 things you need to know about alternative proteins or meat alternatives. But first of all, can I ask you, what made someone who was so closely associated with meat cooking decide to go in this direction? Uh, I mean, I guess I was really disenchanted with what was available, but also I've been on the sort of sustainability drive for a while now. What people I don't think got about temper was the the idea that we were doing this whole animal butchery thing and and like nose to tail beyond anything else that Mm. anybody's ever done so the idea was to use less and less animals to feed more people and that was something I sort of loved at the time I got disenchanted with it being the final solution though Um, and also I've been cooking meat for God, there's like like so many years and I've done books in it and I was like, how far can I go with this? What am I doing? And I found myself just repeating the same things over and over and over again and and just going around in a circle. And I thought, you know, vegetables are such a untapped market. The vegan market seemed full of processed food. Really good people that I knew and, and trusted were just turning to processed all proteins just to fill their menus and yeah. I thought there's got to be another way to do this and vegetables taste great and yeah. we have great vegetables but we're not using them and and that led me very chef wise into going I'm just going to find out what to do and then now I mean two years later <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's my entire life yeah. Um, but yeah amazing for your first point you said getting the flavor as good or better than meat is an easy bit and as you said you spent two years working on perfecting the simplicity products I mean how did you approach that well yeah I mean I guess I said that because the, the flavor is kind of easy it's not I mean if you if you want something to taste exactly like beef or exactly like chicken it's slightly hard but most beef and chicken most of the stuff we eat tastes very little you know mm. you you can't compare it to something like a sort of mangalitsa pig or like a really well-aged Galithian beef or something like that, which has this really intense sort of cheesy, meaty flavour. But that's not really what people are eating. Mainly people are eating sort of cheap chicken products and cheap beef products, which tastes, once you cooked it, practically nothing. You know, so what I found was the 
getting the flavors through sort of fermentation and things that I did was quite simple. And I had something that I thought tasted nicer. It's it's about texture and protein and 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 right. getting it to a point where when you eat it, you feel sort of like you've had something that's just, you know like substantial. A satisfi- yeah, like yeah, a satisfaction it's satisfying, thing, and that yeah. satisfaction you get from eating that that's the difficult bit. The flavor is really not. Yeah. Yeah, your second point's interesting because you said if if we replace the world's meat production with the current formula of alternative proteins, we'd have a serious food waste problem. So you're saying it's not just a case of replacing one for the other, which is an argument out there, you know, let's all stop eating meat and start eating something. The problematics is that that if you if you bring it to that scale, so mm-hmm. most most alt proteins at the moment are about taking something which has very little protein and taking down, removing the starch, removing the moisture until you've got something which is protein rich. So right. something like rice is like to get protein from rice or from peas. It's a very small part of it. Then you've got starch, which is removed, and that's much bigger in it. Okay. Um, and then you've got the processing involved. But the, the starch is huge. And then if you think about it, if you think about replacing all meat protein, which is with the amount that we consume, which is, I don't know, whatever it is, like 300 billion tonnes or whatever, the, well, wh- yeah, the- whatever the thing, with something. And then you've got 10,000 billion tonnes of starch then yeah. to, to do something which which we don't really have a necessity for. Yeah. Um, I just see that as being an issue going forward, you yeah. know. So we've got to find out a way to get it from something that's much more sustainable. Yeah. And then also getting that product from every corner of the earth and then moving that product and all the processing power that goes into it just doesn't seem yeah. doesn't seem like the ideal solution. Because the production costs and the energy costs of doing that as well are Maybe, much... Yeah, I mean, something like... I mean, I'm not going to pick on any, but like one of the main ones that people would be eating, there's about 15 different processed um, um, ingredients in that. So yeah. each one of those has come from a different part of the world with a different factory. So that's employment, it's water thing. The, and and then all this sort of waste removal isn't getting used within the food industry, it's going to go to some other industry. So it's just offsetting your problems to something else, which yeah. I find a bit disturbing. Yeah, definitely. You also say that the biggest enemy of, of alt proteins is, is the difficulties we're having with global trade. Tell us a bit about that. Well, Essentially, we buy, at our company, we buy everything from the UK and we try and do it. That's not okay. like, I want to be, it's not putting a flag up or <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing like local is best or saying, because there's great food across the world. Yeah. But the idea to format your product in something which is necessitates global trade being an all-time high and cheap seems to me about the wrong way to go right now. I mean, at the moment, wheat production, because of um, Ukraine is happening, that's a problem. A lot of these companies global trade entirely is, is breaking down the whole sort of European Union thing, leaving that creates problems, but but it's only going to get worse. Mm. I can only see that problem getting worse. And I think we've got to rely on things from a little bit closer, closer, closer yeah. to home. And and then if you're expanding a company, then use something closer to home for them, yeah. rather than this idea that um, you're just pulling from all directions, which seems to be, again, once you step it up to meat production stage you, that that sort of size that problem only increases and increases yeah because uh, you you kind of mentioned that in the intro and i think i was looking on your website and it said you know you were thinking about it in the way that you did the nose to tail eating yeah it, it, using vegetables in the same way and that you're using every bit of it 
the waste gets used, you're you're trying to get it from somewhere local, so you're trying to cut it down to that smallest area of sort yeah. of production. So so rather than buying you know, like a protein, you're buying a a whole thing, yeah. you're removing the starch, you're removing the protein, and then you're using that protein for one item and then you're using the starch for another. Hmm. That's sustainable. You know, yeah. just using the protein is what you're doing with that. Yeah. And that and that then when you amplify it over 14 different ingredients and then you, you scale up to be billions of pounds, I, it becomes problems that there's no solution for yeah. currently. And you said for your next point that chefs and restaurants need to take this seriously. I mean, I know you actually supply your products to quite a lot of, to some great restaurants out there. Are you seeing more people getting on board or do you think some people are sticking their head in the sand about it? I think there's a lot of people still very apprehensive about it um which is why it's not moving forward as fast mm-hmm. and it's a little bit like if you're not part of the solution then you know you're part of the problem i think um and there's there's no point in putting your head in the sand it's a little bit i think similar to when retail just ignored online sales and we're like ah oh, we'll, we'll be fine yeah. um yeah it's, it's not gonna be a problem <laughs> yeah. and you just see the way the market's going and it's like it's almost like this graphs appearing in in restaurant size and the people that are really paying attention to interestingly are the big sort of corporates and the the larger chains oh, really? who see this as a real movement and they mm. seem the most keen whereas the smaller restaurants are not really getting on board which is a shame because it's the guys like that that would drive change. It's the sort of influential restaurants that would really drive that change. And then guys like when Daniel Hume got kicked out of Claridge's for wanting to a vegan restaurant. I think yeah. that was like the most backward moment in what is obviously a benefit and a trajectory that society's going to. Um, and I just see it as a shame. Do you think we look back in 10 years and think, what the hell were we doing? I think, well, I think, I think, <laughs> think Claridge's will look back in 10 years and think that was the biggest mistake they ever made. Wow. Um, I would, I would assume. Okay. Um, for number six, you say you can make alt proteins with ordinary stock of ingredients and vegetables that you can grow in your own garden. And on your website, you say that food should be made by chefs and not scientists, which is a fair point. But I think one that we kind of missed in the whole, you know, alt protein world. I, th- I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting because I think this the whole sort of alt protein thing sort of clouded mystery at the moment yeah. and people are like I don't what, I don't know what this yeah. is and, and people are doing it and I don't think people understand you can do it at home you can take a potato then you can you know you can wash the starch out of it mm. and you can dehydrate it but you've got all protein that's it you know it's, and it, it can take you two minutes <laughs> um, you can you can do it with wheat you can do it with rice you can do it you can make pea protein at home you don't need to make this really clarified um product that you buy from a factory which mm. is really clean and really white and really because if you're just going to add it to a stew or something like that you yeah can just it can be quite rough and ready you don't even have to remove all the starch from something you just need to take um enough out just to make it sort of higher in protein and and give it give it some sort of oomph to your dish yeah um, it's very easy to do so it's just a, it's it's just a case of like like you said approaching it like a chef rather than like a scientist and yeah. actually thinking about what is this best made for? How can I change it by using fermentation? I've actually realised I missed one of your points, which is about the healthiness of it, because there's so much noise, isn't there, about, you know, a, a lot of people who are, like, anti, anti-vegan, I guess, or anti-vegan becoming quite popular, say, oh, but all those vegan products are full of crap, you know, there's, there's yeah. nothing healthy about them, 
it, it's going to cause X, Y, Z diseases, blah, blah, blah. But you're saying it doesn't have to be like that. No, it doesn't. Absolutely doesn't. It's just food. And it, it's, it's, it's a bit like us complaining that pies are really healthy because we're just buying processed pies <laughs> from, from like a big food manufacturer, mm. you know, and go, going, oh, this is terrible. So we can't make a healthy pie. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah. if, you, if you're relying on food companies in these big corporate companies that are going to look yeah. for the easiest, quickest, cheapest way, most um, idiot-free way to make something that they can scale up, and it, rather than someone that works at a restaurant or small companies or small producers, then, mm. yeah, of course it's going to be unhealthy. I mean, that that's the main problem. Like, you, you would never give a chef... A chef would never pick those ingredients to go in to make something. You know, you yeah. would take something from one of those big... Um, beyond or impossible or something. You would like a chef would never go to a cupboard and go, "Oh, I'll just I'll just pick this." You know, yeah, yeah. they would never put that together. They would go, "Let's take something delicious and make something delicious yeah. out of it." The fact that there's no nutrients in that stuff and it's unhealthy is ridiculous. I don't, yeah. You're taking something that is nutritious and healthy and making it not nutritious and not healthy. Yeah. It's a weird way to go. What, 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 at what point did you decide that the healthy? aspect of it was going to be a big part you know because you said you started experimenting a, a few years ago and it wasn't going to be it was never meant to get this big so what was what was the point where you thought I need to to bring together all of these different things like the sustainability the food waste the healthy angle it, it just happened because we were doing it so initially I was just trying to make something that tasted really nice yeah and I was trying to make it through with nice vegetables yeah and that will inevitably be healthy anyway if I'm not putting anything bad into it then there's no way I can make it bad. Um, the The sustainability angle came when I realized when I was making something like a plant-based cheese, I had all this other stuff left over, you know, and then I was making this and I had all this and I was like, well, what can I do with that? And yeah. then I realized if I put those two products together, then I can make something else. So for instance, we made a, um, a fermented tomato and we just ferment that in 2% salt for like a week mm. and then it separates so you have the water and then you have the solids the the water I was using to make a cheese the, the solids then I used to make a tomato ketchup and then I realised that I could use the leftover starch from the potato to then thicken to make that tomato ketchup so all this sort of thing worked wow. in the sort of 360 <laughs> way and I thought that's a better way to run a company you mm. know like just making one product is is hiding to nowhere because you, you, you will communicate you will um develop all this waste produce from it whereas if you've got then an interior product to put that into not only can you make that um not only can you utilize that waste but you can also make a cheaper product mm. because they've already cancelled that out that's free product you know if i'm costing my stuff on the price of a tomato and then i've got all this solids left over and that's that's costed into the initial dish this next dish is almost free Wow. So you can bring the price of plant-based down this way as well. Yeah. What sort of equipment have you got in your in your place? What kind of setups have you got? It's it's not that weird. We, we've got this really insane. Just wondering what you... We've got this insane sort of sausage machine because that's the biggest thing. Because we were hand making all the sausages yeah. before um, and hand making all the burgers, yeah. and that's fun. And it's great. And then we had a big CEO of a supermarket came in and go, this is insane. I was like, we know. <laughs> but we couldn't work out one way to do it. So we've got yeah. this machine that sort of does that. Everything else is pretty basic. Everything is it- else is like, we've got, a, a, we sort of make it like a bread dough. So we've got um, like pizza dough mixers. We've Oh, okay. It's a 250 kilo one we've got but now. It's, but, but it's, it's the same, the same thing. thing you would use. We've yeah. got 
big steamer ovens. We we bake things in ovens. We yeah. we cook. The, it's it's pretty normal. So it's normal gear, just scaled up. For no, production. we've got like a wine press to press all the, okay. the things. So things like that. It's all these weird things that exist in other businesses. But when yeah. you put them together, it's a bit odd. Was there anything that you wanted to do that you couldn't do? Um, or that you failed to do? <laughs> well, I mean, people ask us for chicken, but it's sort of been done. Yeah. And it's like, are we sort of concentrating on um, meat, sort of like mincemeat right, stuff, yeah. which is enough. You know, it's a big enough area. And that, that I know I can do. Chicken sort of, it's always sort of soy-based, and I didn't really want to use it. Mm. And we probably made a lot of money if we'd done it, but... I think that's leave it to somebody else and just yeah. focus on that. Okay. Um, because that's sort of what I think is probably the easiest thing to make. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah, there's so many of them out yeah. there. And they're all okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not they're not great, but they're all okay. There's some good ones and some bad ones. Yeah. But trouble is, most of the supermarket chicken you buy anyway in those products is rubbish Similar. anyway. Yeah. So replacing it with that is not, it's not that big a deal for anybody. Yeah. Most people wouldn't notice. True. Um... And your next point, you say everyone making or eating food on this planet should be fighting a lot more for good agriculture and less for what what you actually grow. So do you mean, regardless of your diet, you should be thinking about how your food is produced? Yeah, I think I think there's, there's this weird fight at the moment between, oh, let's go plant-based or let's eat meat and, and you're bad and yeah, you're yeah, bad. Yeah. And it's like kids, uh, kids fighting <laughs> at school at the moment. And it's yeah. like... like like there's, there's bad plant agriculture, yeah. there's horrible plant agriculture, and most people's focus is carbon, which plant wins time and time and time again. It's quite hard to get over that thing, but but there's way more to it than that. There's there's water, there's soil. You know, there's no point in us saving carbon for the next twenty years and then running out of water and the soil being rubbish, you know, because yeah. if we don't have soil, we can't grow anything. So so that's game over. So there's lots of game over ways that we can go. And soil health is really important. So it's about, you know, managing soil and doing it. So monocrop agriculture, which a lot of the stuff going into alt proteins is, is bad. You yeah. know, you can't keep growing time and time and Same time thing. again. And the farmers are focused on their next 10 years of, you know, them making money, they're getting forced by these big companies and 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 so nobody's so in this whilst we're fighting amongst ourselves, both of them are destroying each other. And yeah. I think it's we should be really concerned about soil health. We should be concerned about where our meat comes from. You should be concerned where your vegetables come from. Yeah. Um it's it's that's the important thing. That's the important factor. Do you see it. more kind of visibility in that that argument, though? I mean, is it getting picked up by the press? Because for me, it, a lot of it is it's quite polarised and it's kind of this is bad one day, then that's bad the next. And as you said, it just seems to be this ongoing argument. Between... I think you've just got, I think people have just got to use a little bit more common sense and yeah. less listening to big companies that tell them that something's okay. Mm. And and buying from, I, I just have much more faith in small producers. And I think, you know, buying from small companies and people that care about things rather than as soon yeah. as you, as soon as it goes to a megacorp, you're just like, you know, something's going wrong, you know, as yeah. soon as that scales up. Whereas, you know, you can rely on, you know, some good flower producer in the UK that, you know, you know and trust because you can find out where they're growing it and 
um, good vegetables that taste good and, and look good are generally good. You know, the ones that taste of nothing are the ones you want to watch out for. Yeah. The ones that last in your fridge for six months when you forget about them, you want to watch out for that. I suppose the argument would be that a lot of people don't have the access to, you know, to go online and get flour from a producer that's somewhere, you know, they might have to... No, but 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 what what people can do is the people who can afford to do that can make those informed choices to yeah. move the market in that way. Yeah. Um, because actual fact, there's very little difference in cost between some some good produce and some bad produce at the moment, um, and people are just making a lot of money out of farming in a really terrible way yeah. and also treating people really terribly. It's like there's no way that there's an argument plant based that it needs to be cheaper and it does need to be cheaper through production. But yeah. at the moment, you know. It also needs to have some sort of cost value, and that's what the meat industry's really gotten to this point where it's bad because it's scaled up so fast, and now they're in a they're in this thing that they can't they can't make it any cheaper because they, they can't make it any cheaper because they've the, the good producers can't make it any cheaper, and the and the small producers the the big producers are are making so much money off. You know yeah. the supply chain, which is unfixable now, mm. um, and veg will go that way if we let it. Yeah. You know, at the moment, vegetables is cheap. <laughs> you can buy vegetables pretty cheaply anywhere. True. Um, even organic vegetables, if you compare it to meat or something like that, something is like is that, cheaper yeah. if you buy it. Yeah. Um, grains are still relatively cheap. I mean, cost of food is going up at the moment exponentially. Yeah. But compared to you know, it's still not in sort of meat territory. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, on your next point, you say that um, the claim that all proteins use 90% less water than beef isn't a claim anyone can make. Tell us a bit about that, because but, that is a thing that gets wheeled out quite a lot, isn't it, about the water usage? Well, if you think about it, one, one's a variable. Both are variables, so you can't you can't make that claim. It's like, like saying, well, there's, there's a cow in um, Australia, which is practically a desert <laughs> which is getting irrigated yeah. <laughs> like nothing to, yeah. to feed all these cattle um texas as well you know it's all irrigation and whereas something in cornwall is groundwater so and and there's no irrigation involved there's no you're not bringing in any water from something and they're different cows grown in a different way so how they come up with a 90 percent as a thing it just mm. doesn't make any sense there's no way that an alt protein which comes from 15 different factories, has flown 20,000 miles across the world, is has like 100 people in the production line to making it, Com- compared to Farmer Giles in Cornwall, who's just picked a cow and chopped it up. You know, yeah, th- there's yeah. no way that those two are comparable. That that cow is much better. <laughs> Water, it's, it's way better. Yeah. It uses nothing. We, we have to give it nothing. There's no factories. There's no nothing. It's just driven from there to an abattoir and to yeah. us. Now, ethics aside, it, that that's a lot better. So saying beef is it's saying it against the whole industry, whereas yeah. I, think, I think people get really confused. It was like when I think the whole... Um, sort of vegan um, um, programs came out. What was it? The cowspiracy and oh, all yeah, that. Yeah, That's that mainly was, focused yeah. on American beef farming. Yeah. Whereas we live here in the UK, and it, you have to be supportive of the fact that we've got really good farming practices. Yeah. And and 
and regenerative farming practices and all that. And then to then turn away and just go, well, I'm just not having beef. I'm just going to have this and then use this instead. Mm. just doesn't make any sense to me. And I think, I think vegan companies have got to start really playing the field more in taste and healthiness and flavor and that sort of thing, rather than making these sort of like crazy claims about mm. comparing one thing to another. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it can't continue to be an either or. People yeah. have to be able to look, at least appreciate both sides of the argument. Yeah. And it, It's super divisive. And yeah. it's also, if you're going to lie about it in the way up, you'll get caught out. Yeah, you know, and at some point, and then people don't trust you, and you've got to build trust with people, and mm. that comes through satisfying them, giving them good food, um, transparency in where your food comes from, transparency yeah. in your entire network, and things like that. That's what people will trust in the end. And the moment they don't have that, people are still they're like, like, oh, I want to be good for the environment, but I don't really think I trust this. You know, yeah. and I don't really know where this comes from, and I think that that has to go. And I think that's that's got to come from our companies. It's got to come from the vegan companies to say, yeah. look, um, we've got to be better at this. And then just stop fighting with it, yeah. you know, and just, just play in your own field and, and just be better. Be the best at yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, you also say that um, all proteins are the difference between, a key difference between a dish and a side dish in plant-based eating. So you're saying you need to have that on there for it to be a complete dish, I guess. Culturally, yes. Yes. I mean, not nutritionally. Mm. Um, I mean, I would say, like, I could live the rest of my life just eating dal. <laughs> 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 I love I'll it. Love this is really <laughs> nice. But but yeah. but you go out for a meal, a lot of chefs would then prepare vegan food and it's just vegetables. Yeah. And the trouble is that's not really satisfying and it's no. about taking it where, where protein comes in. It just makes that sort of meat and two veg thing and it adds that thing in with a bit more substance and a bit mm. more, gives a bit more um, breadth to a meal and, and difference and textural it's difference texture, and something well, and feeling yeah. like you're full and, you know, and I don't want to eat like um, the amount of vegetables I need to do to get that level of protein. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite, you know, I mean, when a lot of people would say well, we go back to like, being primates, we used to be eating vegetables yeah. and things like that. But we ate a lot. We ate all day. You yeah. know, so that's like that's like sitting all day. I don't have time to do that. So that's why they're important. People just don't get that sometimes. And yeah. it's not just coming from a smoothie or a, or like a protein shake or something like that. It has to be part of a meal and we enjoy it. And that's why it's important. Mm. And it's important to give that to a meal. And it's also important to sort of replace cultural elements within it you know mm. going to burger place or going going out for a curry or going out for yeah. um an italian meal and all that i don't want a different dish if you just i'm still eat meat but yeah. if i'm a vegan i don't want a different food from everybody else i kind of want to be in that i still loved going out for a curry i still love going out for a burger and when people say well, you don't need to make that stuff mm. you sort of do and i think that escapes people if that all that food culture and all that was taken away from them just because of the fact that they didn't want to kill animals yeah. or eat a dead animal then it's a shame and you're missing out on a lot it's a big price to pay yeah it is and actually that that kind of goes into your last point which is um there's a difference between what's acceptable in a diet and in a culture and it's the latter that requires the alt protein products more yeah it's 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 about culture it's about yeah i mean it's not about nutrition you can get nutrition from anywhere you can just have a protein shake you're done mm, you know but that that's not a solve you yeah. know and i think some people are into plant-based eating because if it's a diet thing or maybe they want to yeah. lose weight or something like that and that's the thing but a lot of what's coming out now is about 
people being conscious of eating too much meat and they want a replacement and they yeah. want that thing and it's possible to do it so why not give it to them and make yeah. it easier to transition you don't want to miss out on your you know your well i think yeah i think i think I'd always i said this on once i was like if you if you take that scene in pulp fiction at the thing where he enters and I, I think somebody said why don't you just have a flap and I was like if you, you know that thing where they're like oh this is a tasty burger that yeah. whole scene and you changed it to flap it wouldn't be the same scene or Tony Stark coming off the airplane and go just give me a good old American falafel or something yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. not the same there's a cultural point like yeah. burgers are the you know huge in yeah. culture across the world they're, they're, they're massive yeah. um, pizza's kind of easy to do that's, yeah. that's okay um and there's lots of things that are easy to do, but but these big cultural icons that people rely on and people, you know, and people feed off, it's quite hard to just take that away from people. And it's not just like with burger, it's not just the meat, it's all the other bits. So yeah. the meat, the cheese, the sauce, you know, that makeup and, and you know, all, the, all your little fixings and stuff that make up the bite of the burger. So if you can replicate that in an alt protein way, I mean, you've kind of nailed it, really, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Was a burger the first thing that you? It was. Started? It was because it was just what everybody was doing. Yeah. It's not my most important thing that we do. I think that we do a lot of things that I think probably are better for people cooking at home. And I, I don't burgers that often. Yeah. You know, I love them, but it's not like I eat them but every it's night. A, it's a good challenge, isn't it? But it's a good challenge, and I think it's it's to get that texture balance right and things like that yeah. that was always like it was more of a it was more of a challenge for us than it was a sort of an end game and i think things like the the minces that we do and things like that are much better for people at home they can just put it into rice dishes mm. they can put it into pastas they can you know they can put it top pizzas with them you can do lots of things with them yeah. i think that that plays better into sort of domestic use than yeah. a burger <laughs> Are your are your products available to consumers? Not yet. Consumers? They will be next month. Um, oh, yeah, we're, okay. we're, we're opening up an online shop in D2C at yeah. the moment. It's all wholesale, but that, and we're also opening through another D2C provider. So, so it'll happen eventually that people can get a hold of all yeah. of these different things. Yeah, we're great. trying to do it with the least amount of packaging. Yeah, and and that's hard in any way. And initially, I really didn't want to do sort of plastic packaging and things like that. Yeah. Um, at the moment, though, we sort of need to get the product out there, and mm. so we're trying to do it in the most minimal way we can do. Yeah. And has it been a challenge flipping from, you know, providing to um, restaurants and catering to actually thinking about providing to the public? Oh, it's, it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so the amount of the amount yeah, of regulations, like, things you have to oh, jump through. Yeah. I used to think, as a chef, yeah. we, we used to fill in the paperwork all the time. Yeah. We do quite a lot as a chef. Um, and I used to think that was the hardest thing in the world. And then you, we go through this salsa accreditation and all this, and it's 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 mind numbing yeah. what we have to do. But it's it's important because we make you know a hundred thousand or something. It goes up to hundred thousand yeah. people. If there's something that goes into that, we've got metal detectors. We've got all this stuff. You've got it's, everything. It's it's crazy stuff. Yeah. And the paperwork. A lot of the chefs we heard just. They just don't understand it, yeah. and they're like, well, "Why am I doing this?" We've got someone to check, to check, and then someone to check the check, the check. It's like, ugh, it's it's hard. Wow. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you what's next, but it sounds like that's, that's what's next. I could ask you that. It's just just bigger problems yeah, it and, like and that's more things. Probably consume you for the next few. No, months. I mean, the the next thing we're really doing is focusing on um, exterior waste. So, what I really want to do is approach supermarkets and see if we can. 
utilize their waste okay. back into our system because there's a lot of good waste that goes yeah. out. It's not when people look at waste and it's such a misunderstood word, people think of something mm. to throw away. And I was thinking, like, nothing should be thrown away. Yeah. Like, everything can be used to an extent. Um, whereas I think uh, looking forward, we make, we make misos and things like that. So yeah. we can make misos out of anything, like leftover bread, um, leftover salads and things like that. Yeah. You can make it out of, but this guy that's working with us has made one out of a Happy Meal. Okay. Um, so you can sort of <laughs> take something and then make something that's delicious out of that. So that becomes a food ingredient. And yeah. then we can ferment and pickle things and dehydrate things and do things with stuff to make them textured and then utilize that back into the food thing and then make it long life and then send it okay. back out. And I think that is something that we're not really thinking about at the moment. Right. So sort of recycling food, but in a, in a, in a nutritious and delicious way. Yeah. Way. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Something for the future. And where can people keep up, keep up with what you're doing is Instagram. I know you're, you're, you are personally front frontline chef on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and then you've got simplicity foods and it's simplicity with a Y. It's simplicity with a Y, which is and, annoying. Uh, we just couldn't get any websites <laughs> and things like that. Uh, the thing is, it's too complicated. Simplicity underscore foods on Instagram as well. So people can keep up with what you're yeah, doing there. Yeah, I mean, my, my one's a bit ranty and a bit shouty sometimes. Yeah, so you're probably better with the simplicity They'll ones. They'll be swearing. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> the simplicity one's more PG yeah, okay. and more about the product. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming to chat to us, Neil. Thank it was you very Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.